and welcome. Hi, Hussein. We're going to get started in a minute or two. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to play a tune. I think I'll play this land this time today. Sharon. <laughs>
Today is October 25th, 2022, and I want to welcome everybody. I'm going to do a little bit of an update on what's happening with the unions we've been following and the greater movement. Um, I'm happy to see Stupi and Omar here to keep me honest. Please feel free to jump in if there's anything that you have to add um, to um, the conversation today, because I'm going to talk a little bit about the solidarity rally that Stupi and I went to in Oakland uh, this weekend a little bit, and what's going on with the the mental health care workers strike, which is over, and a few other things. And then I'm going to play a little quote from uh, a union person, pretty well-known one, Jane McAlevey, uh, in a recent interview they did. But first, let's start with some very good news. The National Union of Healthcare Workers and Kaiser Permanente reached an agreement to end the strike for the mental health care workers that had gone on for 10 weeks, shockingly. And I just want to, I just want to say that Hawaii is still on strike and there are multiple other strikes going on with nurses. But here's what the L.A. Progressive had to say about about what happened. 2,000 mental health clinicians have won. Kaiser Permanente has lost. The 10-week strike has ended in a near-total victory for the National Union of Healthcare Workers. The therapists who walked out August, August 15th, it became the longest mental health care workers strike recorded. Two issues dominated negotiations from the start, workload for Kaiser therapists and wait time for Kaiser patients. The strikers won on both, forcing concessions until now all but unheard of. The strikers won breakthrough provisions to retain staff, reduce wait times for patients, and plan to collaborate on transforming Kaiser's model for providing mental health, mental health care. Part of what happened is Daryl Steinberg, who's mayor of Sacramento and former head of the state Senate, he was the president of the state Senate, he served as mediator. Members voted 1561 to 36 to ratify it. So that's the, that's the short version. I did not grab the link, but I will put the link in. It is an October 23rd article from L.A. Progressive. And it quotes the um, head of the union and the president of the National Union of Healthcare Workers. He said, I'm proud of Kaiser therapists for standing up for their patients and their profession and the union which represents Kaiser therapists in Hawaii and California. So there's some good news. It took them 10 weeks, which is bad news. But the good news is they did manage to get virtually all of the things that they were demanding, all of which were relatively low bar type things. So moving forward, I want to talk about the uh, rail labor issue. So I'm first going to start by saying I am no expert. If you want to know what's happening with the rail and you are a person who does Twitter, um, railroad workers or uh, Ross Gruders, and I'll put their two handles in here. Uh, Ross, Ross Gruders is the person who Brianna Joy Gray interviewed uh, when she interviewed somebody recently. He's one of the people who she interviewed. Um, and talking and typing at the same time. 
because the because the rail labor issue is complicated, I don't want to give out information that's not true. Also, because the large two of the largest unions with meaning largest in terms of members of the 13 rail unions are still in the ratification process and voting. So it's hard to say what's going to happen overall. And so we're still a bit in the middle of this. To that point, there is going to be a solidarity with railroad workers event on November 1st. It's a, it looks like it's an online event and anybody can go. It's 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And I will, again, I will put that link into the show notes, but I'll also put it into the chat here. That was the first, that was the bit.ly link that I put. That's the link to register. And along with Maximilian Alvarez of The Real News facilitating and Haymarket Books hosting, I'm excited to learn more about more sponsoring orgs by the day, including DSA Labor. Some of these other handles, I'm not sure what they are. Rank and File Ed, NEU Solidarity, National Educators, the Climate Rail Alliance, the DSA Labor Tempest, a revolutionary socialist organizing project in the U.S., and Label Labor Network for Sustainability are all participating in the upcoming uh, rail, rail solidarity event on November 1st. I, I do recommend these kinds of things are so interesting to, to attend. Um, on Saturday, I did an impromptu call in uh, because we were on a labor, uh, an international labor call with dock workers in South Africa. And I don't think that episode's been published yet. Uh, if it has, Woohoo for me. If it hasn't, uh, it will be published soon. And that was quite interesting. So if you have a chance to participate in some of these, because um, there's so much because of COVID that's gone online, it's possible for us to be a fly on the wall as some of these organizations are doing their work of organizing. And I think that can be a very uh, interesting learning experience, and it gets us into into rooms that are not just here, but but speak to and with people around the world who have common cause. There was the a rail solidarity rally this weekend on Saturday, and that I haven't gotten the links yet from. The organizer, Steve Zetzer, about when the videos will go up, but they did ha they were recording, and so you'll be able to see us holding signs and doing things like you know making sure we can hear what's going on with the speakers. It was an interesting uh, conversation, and I want to um, let you know. If anybody is interested in their in organizations related to labor, that it's really not that hard to find. It's just that it, because media doesn't really cover unions in ways that are educational. If you're not in a union, you may not be aware of some of the things going on. One of the most exciting things at the at the solidarity rally was the people who were there were speaking that about rank and file of unions are totally on board and understand that in some of the major unions union leaders are not that helpful 
and don't seem to be on the side of the workers and the dock workers uh the the dock workers guy that was down at the rally was saying because we just had the phone call with the South Africa dock workers that morning that afternoon he's saying things like in 2008 we shut down the ports we forced long beach to shut down all the ports up along the along the west coast shut down because they needed to have their demands met on their contract there's all kinds of different things that that the the rank and file of the, who work in ports and all the different transportation rail trucking all of these folks rank and file understand that they could bring to the uh, the economy to a standstill and it felt like and again it's a biased sample size if i'm with the people at the rally Clearly, they are on the side that the rank and file are in with the rest of us to try and get things changed. So, of course, there's that bias. And, and I'm interested to know how much more of the rank and file does have that attitude. Because it sure would be great to be prepared with some demands, like maybe shifting our foreign policy toward diplomacy in Ukraine instead of arming everybody, or maybe a demand like, I don't know, no more money in politics. There are, there are some straightforward things that, that would help keep things from backsliding if we do move forward on things like Medicare for all or whatever. But now I'm just rambling and I do want to allow for phone calls. And if anybody would like to contribute or has questions about any of this, there's a helicopter going overhead. So November 1st, uh, there's going to be a rally, solidarity rally. And I think this is, if you're interested at all in, in, what's happening and and ways that we can make some revolutionary changes um this is i think a, a growing segment of people are starting to participate in in these kinds of actions and i the more we can do to show solidarity and show that we'll show up the better all right i think that's the news. Oh, the last thing I wanted to, to bring up is, is by going to a couple of these events here in Oakland, I've met some people who are part of political parties that are not really electoral, interested in the electoral side, but they, they, take political action and the socialist action is one example. Um, World work, Workers World Party. Uh, I interviewed Judy Greenspan of World Workers Party recently. And these are political parties that don't necessarily run candidates, but they are involved in putting together these kinds of events and and becoming networks of people for people who don't necessarily have a, a community like a church community that's kind of a subset of the town or city they live in because those kinds of networks where you can where you've got a few people that you don't necessarily aren't necessarily friends with but you have a lot of interests in common and so you try to work on those interests together. And I just, this is a whole new, I might be late to the game understanding that this is part of a political party because I don't see the Democrats doing anything except campaigning between elections. And they could be doing so much, but they don't. They just campaign. So I thought that was interesting and I'm looking forward to 
interviewing Steve Zeltzer, who's part of the uh, Committee for a Labor Party, and Jeff Mackler, who ran for president on the Socialist Action Party t ticket in San Francisco in 2020. And, and hear from them what they have to think about, what they think about this and, and their ideas about how organizing has been and, and what's going on with it now. Because I, I think that when I hear Aaron Maté say that he doesn't know where the anti-war movement is, I think it's just in its infancy right now there's going to be a growing movement. And I think the more that we hear people say that there is a movement, there's a growing movement, the more likely that becomes true because more people become comfortable with it. To give you guys a little bit of a break, uh, let's take Brady's call and then I'm going to, I have about a five minute clip of Jane McAlevey talking about the future and what the possibilities are relation to the the workers uniting. Brady, how are you today? Hey, um, I, was gonna, I am the anti-war movement, and every time Aaron Mate sees me, he says, force the payout. <laughs> it's like this, this joke came up with after a conversation with me one day. Yeah, I was and there. Yeah, he suggested that uh, we force all politicians to take peyote <laughs> before before going to office, and I was like, "Yes, you get it." <laughs> like, but like, it's a joke. But like, you know, it's a great idea, and I am the anti-war movement. Like, I have so many plans and strategies for ending war and like mitigating war and all that stuff. Um. And I'm very interested in talking to your friends in Portland who are involved in these, like you said, non-electoral parties. I think that's potentially even more effective than all of these people trying to get people on ballots at yep. this point. I really yeah, do. I think so. Too. I think you're I think you're on to something there, Brady. I think you're on to something. I, I think that, yeah, uh, we're prime for a renaissance right now. Um I'd really like to talk to your friends. Uh, I encourage you to invite them to call in. We need more people like that in the in the space here. It'd be I completely so great. agree, and I think that I think that um, between between me and Stoopy and some other people who keep talking to folks at these events about call in, I think we're getting we're we'll get there. We're getting there. Bring them in. We, we need them. We need more voices, more organizing. Um, I would love to interview any of them. If any of them have like some free time, they're like, you could ask me, Hey, you guys want to be interviewed on a podcast? Like if anyone says yes, you can send them to me. I'll, I'll do it anytime. Right on, right on. Well, I encourage you. Jeff Mackler is very easy to find. And so, so is Steve Seltzer. Maybe you have a, a maybe you have some socialist He's parties in your area. Uh, Texas, uh, well, you know, uh, no one that's really doing anything truly progressive, like you mentioned, um, up there. <laughs> so well, I am doing it. I, I, I started the people party in 2016. Awesome. I made a whole platform. It's brilliant. But you have to work with others. You should hear it. Too, you know? Well, I, I'd love, I'd love to. I'm asking to right on, right on. That's what, and, the, and I'm working to connect people. I hear you. Like I said, send them to me, send them to me. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe you can drop a link to the parties that you mentioned. Yeah, sure. I can totally drop them down. Cool. Thanks. Brady. Okay. Excellent. I can even um, offer them third party debates. Really. Cool. All right. I'll... All right. Andrew, what you got? Oh, just hello. Thanks for Hi. doing this. Um, <laughs> very excited if you have updates from the Oakland dock workers or teachers. Um, I heard some news about the National American Teachers Union that I thought was 
maybe worth bringing up, but I'm most definitely most interested if there's more that you have to share with us about the upcoming uh, labor conference in Durban, South Africa, or or whatever else, rail strike. I think uh, this is a good place to put our attention in the United States right now. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree um, with the. Um, I don't know about the one in Durban, but um, so it's the it's the United Front Committee for Labor Party, which is I have a hard time making my brain wrap around that that. So the United Front UFCLP for committee for labor party is is who set up the call with the port workers in south africa and who set up this solidarity rally that we had on sunday along with other people but that person steve zeltzer um seen he seems um he seems really tied in with these um organizations and also has been good about emailing me and if you email info at ufclp.org i suspect that you can get onto that email list fairly easily yeah you got the name you got the acronym 100 percent right so kudos i never fucking never do that <laughs> it's just just dumb luck joshua did you have something you'd like to add and then allison I was just going to bring up um, how worker cooperatives are working more with unions now, um, it seems like. And uh, uh, Richard Wolf actually had something on there two days ago. There's a guy I follow, Patrick Conlin out of San Diego, who uh, follows Richard Wolf. And uh, there's a lot more work uh, being done. Uh, and it seems like there's more opportunities for solidarity, uh, in California, at least Southern California, San Diego, which I think Karthik is from San Diego. So maybe we could, uh, get him that information. Yes, for sure. For sure. For sure. And it looks like, so I'm on the page about the solidarity with railroad workers facilitated by Max Alvarez, um, that's it it's a an online event on the real news network uh yes that yes that max alvarez of the real news network and it, under about this event it says railroad workers are currently engaged in what this is this event is on november 1st by the way this year railroad workers are currently engaged in one of the most important struggles in recent labor history in an industry that is at the heart of the functioning society of society the rail industry has seen massive deregulation lean production and persistent undermining of working conditions that have made the work all but intolerable so you register and they'll send you a link for the video conference on the day of the event and all of the proceeds it's free but if you want to you can donate and the money goes to railroad workers united i'm sorry joshua did you want to add I interrupted you. Allison? Andrew, you're unmuted. Do you have something you'd like to add? Hey, yeah, sorry. I'm I'm just trying to pull up these uh, the oh. event. It's so I maybe I missed the um the domain where it's at. It's Max Alvarez talking about a event on November. It's, a, it's like a what like a demonstration or something on November first about the rail it's strike. It's an online thing. Yeah, with by Haymarket Books. Uh, Look up under Haymarket Books. Haymarket Books. Max Alvarez rail strike. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I um it's the the list of maybe I'll find it on the Twitter. list of co-sponsors keeps getting longer, I think. Okay. Um okay, did you also sorry, we, I know we're all like 30 minutes late. We were all arguing That's about okay. <laughs> uh, Ukrainian war things. Um 
but yeah, what did we already miss? I, I watched a really great um, short kind of info doc about the rail, the four biggest rail carriers in the uh-huh. U.S. Um, I just, uh, I posted it on the Discord, but I can put the link in here too in case people want to watch. It's about 15 minutes long. Okay. But did we already, do you want to give us maybe a recap or if you had an agenda already for today so we're not just like all over the place? So I, <laughs> if we are, that's fine. No, no, we, uh, and we can be, but, but so I gave the, an update on the, the healthcare workers strike is over. They ratified at like 1,561 to like 37 or something. It was a, it was, they ratified their agreement. They got almost all of their demands after 10 weeks of striking. So that was the one thing. And I talked a little bit about the solidarity rally that I went to this past weekend. Um, hmm? You mean the the help the Kaiser permanent? Yeah, workers? the the solidarity rally was for rail workers. But yes, the the Kaiser. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just said Kaiser, that somebody got yeah, the Kaiser. Yeah, yeah. after ten weeks That's of striking. Right. That was the Kaiser. Okay. Cool. Hang on, I gotta put my neighbor's dogs in their okay. place. <laughs> That's so exciting! I'm glad that. Yeah. So, was there any um? Did how did the the people who ratified um did they were the terms good that they were able to settle yes, on I think, with the I new think contract? They got almost everything that it was that they were asking for related to, to oh, good. the conditions of what was happening. So so now Hawaii is still out on strike apparently, but other than that, well, that's amazing. It's, I mean, just, it, I do, it is nice when you do hear good things about it. Like, I know everyone, like, there's the Starbucks, right? Starbucks is that big one. And so now everyone's, like, talking about it, but, like, nothing comes of it because Starbucks does not negotiate, right. like, flat out. And the NLRB is, like, you know, toothless, right. essentially, um, because of the way they've been attacked over the couple last couple but of years. Also, so. there's, their rank and file is starting to, to make more noise about it's not okay when our union leaders are not are are in bed with the Democrats and that doesn't work. Absolutely. So, and I, what I do want to do is I want to play this clip of an interview from Jane McAlee. Oh, fun. It's about five minutes long. And I just, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I don't no, want to don't interrupt too much. My vo- my volume's been doing a weird thing today where when I mute, everything goes silent for a second and it gets really Mine quiet. Too. Is it distracting to anyone if, I, if I'm if i staying? Oh, that's multiple people. I know. my When I go uh, mute, my phone like is freaking out when I go mute, so. When you're mute, does your like your talking icon up at the top uh, keep flashing yes, on and yes. off? Yes. Uh, okay, we could talk glitches later, okay. but yeah, go for it with the video, yeah. and I can mute if it's if there's like background noise, okay. but I'll just stay for like this. Yeah, video. wonderful. Thank you. I'm so glad you all are here. And this clip, um, this is from an interview. Uh, gosh, less than a week ago, and I think it's got a good message, which is why I'm. So when I think about the the sectors, I think a few things. One is we have never paid enough attention to one of the most important sectors, which is the building and construction trades. Like if you were making a to-do list, right? Like major strategic sector. Um, and I think for a lot of reasons is not even usually in the discussion um, that we're in. Um, so that's that's one super strategic sector that could bring a lot of power. But just because the sector is strategic and the workers inside of it are considered more strategic, and when I say strategic, it just means they can cause hella disruption, right? You shut down the construction trades, you cause massive disruption. Obviously, you shut down the rail lines, you know, and the ports, uh, and you are talking about major power. Um, so... I have lived in and mostly written about um, sort of life and organizing among women and women of color in the service sector because it's just where I cut my teeth. Um, And so therefore I can speak the most to it. I think, so I think one, 
organizing, we should be organizing any place there's heat. That's just period. Yes. Um, yes. The question though is what are we doing with it and, and how can workers, and then there's sort of logistics, right? We could break all these subcategories down. Um, they all matter. Every sector matters. Some sectors matter more than others in terms of strategic power. Um, and what happens when you pull the strike lever? That's that's how I gauge strategic and how I write about it in you know, shortcuts and everywhere. It's like, what happens when you shut it down? Um, and so it's not to diminish, you know, alternative power, but I think we can see already, um, I'm stating something that I think is obvious, but often not stated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a real difference between a coffee shop with 20 or 30 people in it shutting down um, and an Amazon warehouse um, or the rail lines um, yeah. or an entire education system of 900 schools in Los Angeles or, um, you know, a hospital uh, system being forced to pay for replacement workers um, at top dollar um, in a massive open-ended strike. I mean, we can, we can just start to calibrate the different levels of power. It doesn't mean we're valuing one group of workers over another as human beings or as individuals. We're talking power and strategy here, right? Um, and what's required for all of them is, you know, I think, I think at this point, we can, I'm almost writing off that the national unions will actually figure this out with, without, with the exception of the few who have long figured it out, right? Um, and we hope that that's gonna be the Teamsters. They've shown us in the past they could certainly do it. We know Unite Here can do it. Um, that's a really short list. Am I at the end of my list? I might be, but anyway, so what I, what I am seeing and what I'm hearing and what needs to happen um, is that there needs to be a strategic bottom-up movement right now that's gonna to start to look more like Pennsylvania, Minnesota, but a little bit better prepped. Um, we need as much strike readiness as humanly possible, mm -hmm. um, as fast as we can get there. And I'm talking, that's the answer to my like, it's 2025 in January, where are you? What have you done to prepare for this moment? Don't wait to then to ask the question, ask it now. Because mm -hmm. we still have time to figure out there's a bunch of different labor markets. I'm starting to try and map them. So, so are other people where there's tons of contracts that are lined up strategically um, that may allow service workers even to create the kind of crisis that our railway workers should be creating in defense of the whole of the working class. Um, I think it's going to take nothing short of that because I think as someone who experienced um, the hopeful moments of 1996 to about 2000, um, when John Sweeney took over the AFL-CIO and, you know, young, a much younger me, excited like many others, imagined that we could actually affect real change um, from the top. And it was, you know, as I've written about, obviously not going to work. And so um, I don't think we should be thinking it's going to work right now. And I think a lot of us, I mean, the reason that I run a endless series of online training programs that literally... I'm, I'm losing track, uh, but at least 30,000 rank and file workers have gone through in two years. Um, and it's shown real product in a few places already uh, is for just that reason, which is mm -hmm. um, it's got to come from the base. Um, there are a lot of locals that are in the position to strike that have been striking that can strike um, and that must strike. And the question is, how do we go from, how do we go from a bunch of, random good locals doing really good work and pulling off really good strikes um, to a self-conscious left inside the labor movement that's actually acting as one and adding up to more than a bunch of good random locals doing really good work across a bunch of different sectors in the service sector and beyond. Um, and I think that's the imperative right now is how do we stitch together uh, there's a lot of good progressive smart people who can run strikes in our movement. They're all at the local level. They're all being constrained at the national level. Uh, mostly, I should say, being constrained at the national level. How, how do we shift to manifesting what's happening in the United Kingdom from a bottom-up strategy of coordination across sectors and across labor markets? That's what has to happen right now. So that's Jane McLevy, longtime labor activist on... A recent, the final, actually, the final podcast episode of Jacobin. 
it's about an hour and a half long the the whole inter the the show and the interview goes on for probably about 45 minutes so if you're interested in hearing more of that um you can get it on the jacobin podcast andrew i was yeah i was gonna say um I was going to say that, uh, oh, geez. first thing that I agree with a lot that she said is that we should probably put, you know, like non-union or union sympathetic or new union uh, people in the, in the public support to whatever union action is like kind of has momentum at the moment. Yeah. Um, because like we've discussed, like, I don't know if anyone, uh, in here was not there, but uh, Bide and uh, Rika had a couple of really great episodes on unions recently on just the basics of the laws and strategy around union organizing. Um, and anyone who's done any union organizing or just organizing with new people in general will tell you it's it's a slow process. Uh, it can speed up really quickly and gain a lot of momentum, but it's like if the first thing that has to happen is people need to trust each other. So we can't just materialize a union action right. uh, where there is none, even if it's a very critical industry. Right. Um, and the other thing I was going to think about kind of almost like maybe in opposition to what I just said, but <laughs> kind of pie in the sky would be, you know, the, the flight attendants union had a very successful strike a few years ago. Uh, in coordination with some of the air traffic controllers because uh -huh. there was a government shutdown. Uh -huh. And I know that they had tried to negotiate really good terms for the bailout program for the airlines to not have people laid off. And the airlines just kind of fucking did it anyways. And if, you know, if you've talked to anyone who works in the airline industry recently, it's been hell during and after COVID, you know, just being asked to volunteer to work shifts for free instead of hiring back people that were fired and, canceling thousands and thousands of flights and jamming up the airports into nonsense. And, you know, when there's an upcoming strike most likely in UPS yep. under the Teamsters yep. in 2023. And, and, and there's probably, I would guess, going to be the rail strike. And the longshoremen, their contract is coming up too. Yeah. So there's a lot. So, I mean, if we could just imagine for a moment, longshoremen, even if it's not all at once, within the same... Yeah span of a few months or a year, if the longshoremen, the rail workers, UPS, and airlines workers were all to go on strike, I think that would change the overall perception and, and conversation around labor power in the U.S. You might not see nonsense like in the, the presidential emergency board findings where the companies wanted to be really sure that they got a line in there saying that our profits come from our our capital risk when we invested in this industry and no, and from no contribution from the workers. I think, um, yeah, I just think people would see that type of shit as nonsense. And uh, I don't know, I, I'd love to see if there's anyone who can talk to um, Sarah Nelson or anyone else who's a flight attendant and ask if they've discussed it. Cause I can't imagine they're happy with working conditions right now. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know talking to her, but I think Bree was talking that she needs to do a follow up on that stuff. The strike stuff. Well, at least and maybe she I think I think you made that suggestion on, on a call with her, yeah? Or she said it. I don't remember. The things that that <clears throat> we could be doing and i think that it's it's easily a crowdsourceable thing is is just keeping on an eye out and making sure that people know so if you see that there's going to be some kind of action in your area we can centralize it just you can either send it to me or show up for one of the crowdsourcing revolution shows and share it because like I've been sharing the ones that are near me, I can't track everywhere. I can follow. I can follow the the leader of the of the larger umbrella organizations like Railroad, Railroad Workers United, which is a really good follow. But if you have rail running through your city, 
then there probably is a way that you can that there's going to be an action and you should you should try and find out when and where because it might be i'm i've been toying with the idea of making up a sign that says i'm going to be here every day but that person's not happy with that idea i'm going to be here every day from 12 to 1 o'clock until the United States stops sending weapons and starts demanding diplomacy about Ukraine. And just standing out there every day, because I bet you within a week or two, if I'm out there every day at the same time with a sign that says whatever it is that it's saying, and it might be solidarity to rail, that I guarantee you people will come up and talk to me. This is not, this is not an unknown. And, 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 a rally of solidarity of one person is only just one person if you don't somehow get some record of the fact that you were there and there's nobody else that knows why you were there. That's why you carry a sign when you're in these things. But one or two people is enough to make a rally. It doesn't have to be 500 people. I think I'm going to start on the wrap up. If there's anybody that would like to share, if um, Stupi, if you wanted to share any of your impressions of the of the event, I know you got to talk for a while with Jose, and I got to talk for a while with um, oh, what was his name? He was he was a uh, part of the male workers union some interesting stories at that event. I, I, I highly write, it is highly underrated. Go to one of these events, see if any of these um, anti-war things are happening near you. Um, sometimes they're happening through a church. Maybe if there's a town square. Coffee shops often have notices posted about upcoming events. But sometimes it's, it's such a, such a, such a blast of information from the internet. It's, I just won't just give me a phone book so I can find a business in my town. I don't want to have to search the internet. <laughs> Topic, but man, I am so sick of uh, Craigslist being 90% ads for businesses or scams. I miss the days when I could go and find a fucking, you know, like a computer screen yeah. or tool like a, a piece of hardware or fucking canoe on there without it being like come and buy a new used car yeah allison would you like to say? oh no i'm just thank you so much always for doing these and you know talking like keeping back the focus on labor um i recently rejoined the labor force so um i'm looking forward to i already have been <laughs> Like talking the talk, <laughs> but I'm I at the same time I am uh, slightly intimidated. Um, but I actually asked around. Like that was one of the second or third things I did um, when I first got this new job was ask around for other workers that were hired at the same time as me and ask how much they got paid. And I actually was paid more than what I had been promised um, because I guess enough people did that. So. Um, I was pretty excited about that, looking and making sure I was, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was actually paid just as much as everyone else, um, which is a first. Um, That's great. I've also started ordering books for like, so I work at a bookstore and they definitely do not have enough books on the left or labor unionizing the history of the labor movement. Yeah. So that's like my section in the store now. So I'm going to make it, (laughs) I've been out facing in the communist manifesto and capital. Um, and it's gonna, I already ordered a couple books. Um, where's that new one by Kelly, Kim Kelly. Is that her name? She had like a, like a, a good read book that recently was published about, um, like the labor or the history of labor movements in the United States. So I ordered that one and a couple others. So if y'all have any book recs that you'd love to see in a bookstore, um, hit me up in the DMS. Cause I could cool. learn more stuff. Yep. Cool. I know there's a, there's a fairly long 
list of book recommendations that have come out of yep, I got that one Republic, and um, Rev Left, a, like Revolutionary uh, Left. <clears throat> that that yeah. does excellent but, um, and is per, on the progressive. Yeah, um, so I've been, I, I, <laughs> I, I saved them. I have a little bookshelf in my Goodreads for yep. Um, yep. books to disturb <laughs> the peace. Um, and also they'll, they'll sell, you know, like most of the people that come into my, it's a big store, you know? And so most people that come in, they're like young and they want something. And it's just not there. And I was like, the fact that we're having to like reorder yeah. capital and communist manifesto this many times shows me we should at least have some like Eugene Debs, you know, um, in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I want to be a teacher, so that's well, we're we're getting there. First, the the revolution has to happen, so that I can for the for the cause. Nice going, Allison. Oh, I'm always always in the classroom. Yeah, everywhere can be a classroom. Dude, you know, you know what it's. Yeah, yeah. Already, already doing that. Learning more myself. I've restarted reading actual things in actual books versus just listening to podcasts. Um, so hopefully that trend will continue. Um, but yeah, thank you. Okay. See, see, the thing is, most Texans are already (laughs) anarchists. Like, Pedro it's just asking, our culture. Asking, um, and also the fact that usually our government leaves us market, behind. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't think it's going to, I'm going to have to try very hard to get them uh-huh. to be Marxists or at least get them to be in a more left position. Um, cause they're already are quite left. They just don't know it. Um, and that's the same thing. Like most people, they already want unions. They believe in unions. They want, you know, better workplace conditions. They want $15, blah, 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 you know, safety. It's just, they don't know that it's legal for them to ask. Um, and cause usually intimidation and lack of, um, you know, just education, you know, in right. school. Um, I'm, I'm really inspired by all the TikTok, um, Marxists that have been doing labor organizing. Like, there's this one who's, like, I think she basically makes, it's yep. parody, right? She's she's a parody, like, she's a Gen Z doing parody, right? Where she's um, essentially, like, writing, like, pa- like not passive-aggressive. Like, hey, we need to stay, we need you to stay for an extra hour. We have a meeting. Oh, I'm sorry. I get off at five. Okay. And just, like, this, these kind of things, like, really knowing your worth, acting your worth in the workplace, demanding um, that your contract be followed. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm excited for the young people. Um, I always yeah. got to get, get more information into their yeah. hands and available easily to them. And I think things will right. improve so much. Um, over. Wonderful. Thank you, Allison, for that update. Uh, that was great. Yeah. I'm just going to say, everyone, real quick, I'm going to post the link to that event that you mentioned earlier, Amanda. Thank you. Solidarity with railroad workers in the chat just before we close up. Um, and that way people can find it here later if they want. Um, but, yeah, I, I think my... My thing right now, as far as like labor organizing is to, I mean, I I did start a co-op with uh, three friends of mine in late 2021. And so far it's had definitely difficulties, but is going well, at least business wise. Um, And then as far as unions go, since I've, I've never really been in a job where it was like practical to start a union because I very often end up being like a contractor type of person. Uh, but also I was going to say to Allison's point, like I was, uh, I was fired under false pretenses in 2019 for basically advocating for, uh, me and my coworkers who were all educators, uh, to not have our wages stolen. Like we would always work, you know, 30 or 40, maybe hour, hour and a half after, 
the kids left the camp to try to prep materials for the next day, you know, kind of strategize on disciplinary or like social cohesion type of plans. And then we would constantly have that taken out of our hours. And we were told, oh, we were just taking your lunch out. You guys just all forgot to take your lunch out. And we all just started keeping track and that wasn't true. And then I, I basically, I told my like boss, kind of like regional boss um, that I might be able to pick up another class in the fall of 2019, but I might not. I'd have to let him know when I get my school schedule and about, and I told him when that would be. And then when I got my school schedule, I said, Hey, I'm not going to be able to do it. And he fired me and said that I like, didn't show up for work. So yeah, like sticking up for your wage, sticking up for your wages and your schedule and your, you know, your sovereignty as a person who is not just a worker um, and also sticking up for, you know, the fact that you, you deserve at least what you're getting paid, if not a lot more. Um, it's, it's hard. It can be risky, but what? definitely less risky and feels less lonely when you have people to do it with you. Also, if you get fired like that, you do qualify for unemployment insurance. So if it, better if than quitting. I should have, yeah. because I, I was poor as shit for all that winter. So, uh, at that point, I was not an independent independent oh, okay. contractor. I had like an actual job. So one of the things I was going to say, because so many people are gig workers or independent contractors or freelancers or whatever term you want to use, I wonder if there's a way that you could, I mean, there is a way. I wonder what way there could be forward to provide some kind since the government's not doing it providing some sort of safety net like i pay into a to a shared fund so that if you need to stand up for your ability to like not have to work more than what was agreed that you're not just out of money that there's this network of people who understand and then you pay it back once you're working again you know it would be like a well, micro loan or something i don't know how it would be done but could be done right i think that contract and gig work is a perfect place to start a workers cooperative you can incorporate under an llc status and typically there are other types of uh corp- corporate structures under the law that allow you to have a cooperative it just depends on your bylaws um and that's, I think, really ideal when you're in a position where you're actually not legally entitled to unionize, depending on what your profession is or what your working arrangement is. It might not be possible. This was something Rico was talking about that in, in um, I'm trying to remember what was the deal. I think they were um, like somewhere in the healthcare field and they wanted to organize a union, they found out that wasn't really possible, and, and she still was able to help them organize a workers' cooperative, and it can do the same thing. There's also, uh, what's his name, Watson? Watson's been having these yep. shows on uh, workers' cooperatives, kind of like what yep. are the, what's the totality of arguments for and against workers' cooperatives. I think that's a good place to keep this going. But, yeah, I posted the link to that Rail Solidarity event Thank you. in the chat. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't find a link to the to the South African workers thing, but if I find it, I'll just I'll post it in another episode. Okay. But- I mean, he's just he's just tweak he's just tweak he's just tweaking my mind on Richard Wolf this morning and talking about the worker cooperatives and really as we center them in within the union structure, how you know working with uh, like a credit union, and I brought up Mondragon before. Like I think Mondragon, like if there's worker cooperatives in the United States that are not getting the traction here because of the political environment and the VC environment, etc., the capitalist environment, essentially. Like you could probably go to Mondragon. I thought about this myself and said, like, I've got a lot of people. This is the type of thing we want to do. Would you fund us to do it? Because when they came over to the U.S. and were trying to work with U.S. corporations that they bought, the problem was is they didn't have the ethos. The whole work environment was like, no, we're capitalists, man. Like you bought us out and now we go start something else competing with you. Um, but uh, I think, you know, I, it's just, I'm excited about it. So he tweaked my mind on the Richard Wolf stuff and he's a great resource for this as well. Thank you for adding that. I appreciate it. And, and Richard Wolf does also um, some really interesting 
podcast work that that I, I, I can't say enough about. I thank you all for being here for Crowdsourcing Revolution. And the next episode is going to be Saturday. I hope that you all enjoy your evening. I'd encourage you to go over, I think, I believe Bide is having a show tonight at five o'clock. He's supposed to start, I believe. And most of you are probably interested in, in that. And um, thank you so much. Go poke somebody because everybody can make a difference. Go find somebody to go stand with a sign with somewhere. It says something.